Welcome to Destiny Moments with Angel Murchison. Today on the broadcast, I have prophet and teacher Tim Mann. Welcome to Destiny Moments. Thank you, Angel. It's good to be with you. Well, tell me, you're in Arista County Celebration Center here in Fort Fairfield. What brings you um, to our area for such a time as this? Well, I, um, I am a prophet and a teacher, so I also am a senior minister of the church. And so one to two weeks a month, I go out and I uh, labor in the gospel, helping other churches, ministering in other churches, bringing the gift and the grace that I carry to uh, many different parts of the, of the nation. So um, I'm here by invitation, uh, speaking at the church, been coming here about six years, uh, pretty much every year, sometimes twice a year. And, uh, and so this is a great place to come and minister. Amen. Well, I heard you speak uh, earlier on, there's a warehouse in heaven yes. with our name on it. That's right. Talk to the listeners today about that. That's uh, in reference to the book of Romans chapter 5 verse 2. And there the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit, said that we have access into grace by faith. Grace is a much bigger doctrine in the Bible than what many people consider. We kind of uh, look at the uh, traditional little Sunday school definition that grace is unmerited favor. Well, it certainly is that, but it's much more than that. Paul called it a many-faceted, many-dimensioned doctrine, the doctrine of grace. And everything that Christ did for us through his death, burial, and resurrection, that which he purchased for us, comes under the heading of grace. It is all freely given to us. Our access to it is simple childlike faith. Now, it says over in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 8, For by grace are we saved through faith. So grace is God's part. Grace is that which he has already purchased and provided for us. Faith is our part. Faith is how we receive what God's already given to us. We're not trying to get God to do something for us. Our goal should be to receive what Christ has already done for us. And as Christians, we seem to live way below what is available for us right now. Amen. You know, something that you touched on um, tonight was on healing. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of teachings out there on on healing. Yes. But we know by his word. Mm Mm-hmm. He said in Psalm 107.20, he sent his word and he healeth thee. Yes. That's what his word said. That's exactly and what it says. I liked what you said about he's not going to go on the cross again. No. Expound upon that. Well, um, by whose stripes you were healed. Now, isn't it interesting that it doesn't say by whose stripes uh, you were prospered, by whose stripes you have a happy marriage, by whose stripes... Uh, you can have a, a good bank account. Now, all those things are part of God's blessings. So when Christ died on the cross, he brought us into what we know in the Old Testament as the Abrahamic covenant, okay? And Christ was hung on a tree for our sins that the blessings of Abraham, it says in Galatians 3, could come on us as Gentiles. But he did something even more special than just the covenant. He singularly, identified healing and took stripes upon his back. The stripes was not for our salvation. It was something special. The stripes were not part of his death, burial, and resurrection. It was something before that. He took stripes just for our help and for our healing. 
So we find then that healing is part of the redemption plan. 1 Peter 2.24, who his own self bear our sins in his body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness. Now everybody that I know Christians, they would agree with that. But the very next statement in the same verse, by whose stripes you were healed. So God forgives our iniquities, but he also heals our diseases. Same verse in the book of Proverbs. We cannot find anywhere where sickness and disease is disconnected from redemption. So if a person is born again, they've also been healed whether they're walking in it or not. So it isn't that they're doing something wrong, perhaps through their training, their religious backgrounds. They just don't know that that healing is already theirs. So we try to find ways to teach them and encourage them to receive the healing that Jesus already purchased for them. Healing is for uh, God's people. Jesus said it this way, healing is the children's bread. Amen. You know, I had a pastor once that he shared that he didn't believe in healing Mm -hmm. until he needed the healing. And then once God brought that healing to him, he came back to that congregation, which I was blessed because it just showed his level of humility Mm -hmm. um, and said, you know, I've taught you wrong, but um, don't ever take my word for what I, what I say, you go home and study for yourself. Exactly. And the Bible does say that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Yes. Talk to me about that. The Holy Spirit, um, speaks to our spirit. Many Christians do not know that they're like the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that they are also a triune being, a trinity. The the Bible declares that we are a spirit. God is a spirit, therefore we have to be a spirit because we're made in the image and likeness of God. We possess a soul. We live in a body. The Greek word for soul is the word suke. It's where we get our medical term, psyche, psychiatric, psychiatry. It deals with the emotions and the mental and the will realms. And so you and I have a soul that we are supposed to, uh, if I can say it positively, rule over. The real us is a spirit. And so the Holy Spirit communes with our spirit. He talks to our spirit. The Bible says, the psalmist said, deep calleth unto deep at the sound of thy water spouts. Uh, the, the, the word water in the Bible is symbolic for the activity, the stirring of the Holy Spirit. It's a symbolic term. So deep, the Holy Spirit calls unto deep my spirit. See, that's deep. Some, some Christians are shallow, uh, Jesus said. The, the word and the things of God haven't gotten down deep on the inside of them, down into their spirit. So the Holy Spirit talks to my spirit as his water spout. His fountains are erupting. Out of that intimate, deep relationship, we have communication. That communication can be divided up into many steps or classifications. It can start with a perception. It can start with a witness. It can move up the ladder until it's an actual voice of God speaking to our spirit on the inside. And so it's it's very acceptable in the New Testament for Christians to hear the right voices speaking to them. And so the spirit brings things to our remembrance, whatever we've heard. Now, those things probably is talking about what the Word teaches. 
So if we heard it once and we pondered it a little bit, maybe a year, two years down the road, we'll be asking a question of the Lord in prayer. And all of a sudden those verses start rising back up on the inside. He's speaking back to us. So everything the Holy Spirit says revolves around what God's word says. He never speaks or moves outside of the parameters of the word of God. I say it this way. God's word is our yardstick. We measure everything in life by it. What else is in that uh, covenant for us, our inheritance, besides healing? There's more. There's very much more. You can go over to Deuteronomy chapter 28. And then the first 14 verses talk about the blessings. And then from there through the end of the chapter, I think it's 63 or 64, 15 through 63 or 64, it talks about the cursings. All the blessings and all the curses are really divided into three distinct groups. And that is, number one, spiritual life. We are born again. How we have that restored so that we actually now walk and live as a child of God. The second one is physical life, our physical being, our health. Uh, Not just healing, but health. Healing is most important. But we can go beyond just getting healed when we get sick. And we can walk in health where we don't get sick anymore. And then the third one is material blessings from this world. We would call that prosperity. The blessings that God has put in this world for his people. They belong to us. Now, maybe those who are not his people through uh, improper means have acquired a lot of those blessings and they're withholding them from us. But the Bible says that that if we'll use our faith, God will take it away from them and give it back to us because that's why he put it here. And so those are the three things. Poverty, sickness, and spiritual death is the curse. The opposite of that is prosperity, blessings, having a full supply, not weird stuff, having a full supply in life, health, and then also spiritual life. Those are the blessings. Amen. Well, who wouldn't want that? Well, who wouldn't want it? (laughs) You know, that's, man. You know, God said he would bless the work of our hands. Yes. He also gives us creative ideas. Mm-hmm. He, um, I believe that he speaks to people through dreams and visions. He does. And First signs of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. Dreams and visions. And he gives them those creative ideas to gain wealth. Yes. Yes. Talk to me a little bit more about that. Well, it says in Joshua 1.8, This book of the law will not depart out of your mouth, but you should meditate in it day and night mull it over on the inside roll it over why instead of having worldly dreams why don't we go to sleep at night thinking about some of the promises of god and allowing that to be uh, front and center in our psyche as we go to sleep so he says that uh, this book of law will not depart out of our mouth but we will meditate in it day and night while we're sleeping while we're awake that we may observe or see how to do all that is written therein then we will make our way prosperous and have good success. The Amplified says we will deal wisely in all the affairs of life. So God wants to um, fill us up with understandings, and if we can say it, visions, uh, true spiritual encounters that show us things that we were created to do. Now, we still have to step out and do those. And we're supposed to do those things in faith, believing what God said, what his promises say. Now, the Bible is very clear that God wants us to prosper. Beloved, I wish above all things, it says in 3 John 2, that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. 
Now in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, there verse 6 through 8, he talks about what biblical prosperity is. That you have your own needs, <coughs> excuse me, completely met, but that you have an abundance for every good work and charitable donation. So if I don't have an abundance for every good work and charitable donation, I am not yet at the prosperity level that God desires for me. It's not that we just load up with more things. That like Jesus rebuked the, the man that said that he was going to tear down his barns and build bigger barns. It's not how much we, we retain, but what we do with what we've got. So God gives things to us and we bless. We live good, but we bless others. Then he gives us more. Then we bless others. Then he gives us even more. And we just keep that cycle going. That's biblical prosperity. God wants us all to live that way. The Bible does say, give and it shall be given, pressed down, shaken together, shall man give into your bosom. Mm -hmm. Giving is pulling the trigger of the gun that starts a process. Faith in the Bible is a noun, all right? It's the Greek word pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S. And it's the name of something. But then in Greek and both Hebrew, but in Greek specifically, they have the ability to take a title of something and put it into motion. So my name's Tim. So if I get up and begin to walk now in Greek, using this example, I am now timming, all right? Well, we don't do that in English, all right? Our, our, our vocabulary and our grammatical structure isn't designed to do that. So pistis faith has a verb form. It's pisteo. Pisteo is taking faith and putting it into action, putting it into motion. In the King James, we translate that as believe, so when the Bible says that I believe, that's not talking a state of being. That means my faith is in motion. I'm doing something with it. I'm like Peter, stepping out of the boat and walking on the water. Christians need to learn how to put their faith into motion. Miracles, manifestations of God happen when we put our faith into motion. And we don't need big faith. It's good to have big faith. Faith is static. It, it's measurable. One point, Jesus told his disciples, he said, Oh, ye of little faith, why do you doubt? Another point, he said, How is it you have no faith? Paul talked about Abraham, who was strong in faith. Jesus told the Roman centurion and the Syrophoenician woman, Great is your faith. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Your faith groweth exceedingly. So at any given time, we only have a certain measure of faith. What are we doing with it? Romans, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. Jesus said, if you have faith as a mustard seed. So it can be just a little bit of faith. He said, you could say to the mountain, remove from here to there, and it would obey you. So it's not so much just how much faith you have. It's what you do with your faith, putting it into motion. A little faith can move a big mountain. But if you don't use that faith the way God designed it to be used, nothing happens. I love how you have the word of God hidden in your heart. Yeah, that's my life. <laughs> I want to, uh, there's been, I've had a lot of uh, prophets on my, on my uh, radio broadcast lately. Mm -hmm. And we know from the word of God about the fivefold ministry. Yes. Talk to me about that. Ephesians chapter 4 says when, when he ascended on high, he gave gifts unto men. Those gift there is a doma. And it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, um, it's a trust endowed with something that is very precious, but the management of it comes under your control. 
Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 14. He said, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So part of the maturity of functioning in these, these trusts that God gives us, these, their abilities, but they're a trust, is knowing how they should function and when you should function in them. I'm not always supposed to give a word to everybody. Even though I may see things or hear things, uh, part of the, the maturity process is knowing when to say something or how to say it. And so uh, it takes time to do that in all of those different gifts. So we have basically five. We have apostles. We have prophets. We have evangelists. We have pastors. We have teachers. Each one of them come also with gifts of the Spirit, which is tools in the toolbox, enabling us to fulfill that purpose. But that person is, purpose isn't just giving to us as a something to sell or to merchandise. It's for a reason. And so we find that reason, and then we use that which God has entrusted to us for that purpose that he has called us to individually. There are still apostles today. There are still prophets today. It's not just pastors. It's not just teachers. All of those gifts, there's not a point in time, and I'd like to use this phrase, where that promise expired. No expiration date. They're still functioning. Even if we don't have them in our particular church or denomination, that doesn't mean they don't exist. But they're also, they're not supposed to be weird either. And all of them are for the perfecting, the full maturing of the saints. And the purpose of that is so that the body of Christ can actually be enlarged. Again, that's Ephesians chapter 4. So just like a pastor, and I do lead a congregation, they call me pastor, but that's not my grace gift. Uh, I'm a pastor by virtue of how it's used in society. The unction, the function is I'm a prophet and teacher. We have pastors on staff because everybody needs that, that loving, caring touch. But I bring something else to the table as a prophet and a teacher. Prophets are still today. People should not try to run away from true prophets. They're very valuable to the body of Christ. I remember being in a group and I'm an evangelist. I love, when I learn truth, I want the whole world to know. Yes. And I, I didn't really even know that but I always I always had this again this something inside that once I found out something that was true I wanted to share it with the whole world and um, until I discovered that gift mm-hmm. um, God has a gift for that he's deposited in every single life every single life Paul said in the book of uh, Ephesians he said that that before you were born that God ordained, it says King James, that God uh, before ordained you to good works and that you should walk in them. So the pathway for those works to be uh, uh, to be used in. Everybody has it. Not one person is coming. Every uh, A sinner who never meets Jesus and ends up going off into eternity is lost. They still have a God-ordained gift and a purpose for that gift. So that means Christians should be looking for that gift and that purpose. Find out what they're supposed to do. They were created for a reason. They're not here by accident. It wasn't just mom and dad, so to speak. God foresaw them before the world even existed. And he planned the whole thing. But you know, we have our own will. Uh, We're not those who believe that everything that happens is the will of God, good and bad, and we have no say. No, that's true. God has his will, but he made us in his image, in his likeness. We have a will too. So we get to say whether we're going to do it or not going to do it. So there's a lot of people that have God has nothing to do with their actions. We have to find his will, and then we humble ourselves to that, and we make that our purpose in life. 
That's when we become productive. That's where the rewards of heaven are earned. We do earn rewards in heaven. How does a person, how would one of my listeners today discover their gift? Uh, it's a twofold thing. We have two pillars that Christ has given us. One is the word of God. The second is the spirit of God. Uh, to be successful in any endeavor for God, we have to consider his word and his spirit. As we study the word, the spirit will begin to speak. The spirit does not precede the word. The word precedes the spirit. That doesn't demean the Holy Spirit. That's the way God's established it. So as we begin to investigate the word about calls, and then we begin to research what do they look like from the scriptures, the Holy Spirit will begin to speak in our heart. And he'll start pointing out, as he did with me in 1977, this is what you are. Now it was my responsibility to learn about it and to discover how it should function. What was my responsibility in it? And I've endeavored to be faithful to that now for nearly 40 years. Praise God. Well, the Bible does say, my sheep know and hear my voice. Yes. And that's for every single believer. Every believer. Every Christian. Amen. Amen. Well, I always like to end the broadcast with prayer. Would you take a few moments to pray for our listeners today? It would be an honor to do that today. Heavenly Father, we come before your throne today, the throne of grace where we also find mercy. And I lift up, Father, at this time, all those who are listening by the miracle of radio and other medias. That, Father God, the words that we have been speaking are not just falling on deaf ears. That you would open up the, the folks' ears and their spiritual eyes to both hear and see what the Spirit would be saying to them through the testimony and the teachings that we've given. Father, you are the life-changing God. You're not just our God, you're our Abba Father. And in a loving and caring way, your goal is to lead every one of us, every person who's listening to this, to lead them forward out of the curses and into the blessings. And finally, to make them a blessing in the lives of other people. Lord, let your work continue. Let that happen for everyone who is listening today in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, thank you, Prophet uh, Tim Mann, and thank you listeners for joining me today. Tune in again next week for another broadcast of Destiny Moments.